You are listening to the Today I Found Out podcast, where each weekday we provide an interesting story that is going to feed your brain. You can read more great articles like this by going to todayifoundout.com. Hi, welcome to episode number 105 of the Daily Knowledge Podcast from todayifoundout.com. And in today's episode, you're going to learn about the expression, the big cheese, where exactly it comes from, why it's so popular, a bit of the history around using cheese in phrases. Then there's going to be a brief word from our sponsor for this episode, Harry's, and then we're going to have a bonus why article about why golf balls have dimples. And that's going to be followed up by the final section today, and that's going to be bonus facts about food-related expressions. Let's just get right into today's show. It's amazing how many English idioms contain food references, and cheese has proven to be immensely popular when it comes to the English language. For example, one may be cheesed off, meaning that they're miserable, annoyed, or angered. One may also refer to something being cheesy in order to label it as cheap, over-sentimental, unsubtle, or blatantly inauthentic. The first reference to someone being associated with cheese was recorded in London in the 19th century. People would refer to both others and tangible objects by saying, he's the cheese, it's quite the cheese, or that's just the cheese. All of these phrases both implied and invoked a sense that the person or thing being praised was good, first-rate, genuine, or advantageous. The question is, where did this term come from? Further, when did it become big, and why does it imply that cheese is synonymous with quality and power? Sir Henry Yule was a Scottish Orientalist who spent the majority of his adult life abroad. During his travels, he co-authored the now infamous Anglo-Indian dictionary Hobson Jobson with Arthur C. Bernal, which was published in 1886. The dictionary contained colloquialisms and phrases that had been born out of a mixture between English and the variety of languages that were spoken in India at the time. The title itself is an example of the way in which the British corrupted Indian words and adapted them into their own everyday speech. The meanings of these words were generally altered and bastardized. One such word that appeared in Hobson Jobson was chiz, which roughly translated to mean thing. The phrase was incredibly common amongst Anglo-Indians and was used to describe something as genuine or positive. In early 19th century London, the expression the real thing was in widespread use in order to describe something in a positive fashion. Once returnees from India were heard using the phrase the real chiz, the two expressions merged. Over time, the unfamiliar and foreign chiz morphed into the more recognizable cheese. Some even theorize that the word chiz may have been misheard by a native Englishman and simply assumed to be cheese right from the start. Whatever the case, the idiom evolved again when it crossed the Atlantic in the early 20th century. This time, the cheese became big. As to why, nobody knows for sure, and it's even possible the previous cheese expressions had nothing to do with the big cheese. Some speculate that the expression was in reference to the 561kg or 1,235-pound mammoth cheese given to Thomas Jefferson in 1802 during his presidency, but this seems unlikely. Certainly, if this was the case, one would think the expression would have become popular much sooner than it did. The first written reference to the big cheese didn't appear until O. Henry's short story, Unprofitable Servant, which was published in 1910, though in this instance not referring to a person, but that the person had bitten into the metaphorical big cheese. 
Further, the big cheese was not just used to describe the most important person in a group, but was also often used in a derogatory sense. In fact, many people who were considered to be big cheeses were self-important and contemptible individuals who held little respect of others. So this doesn't quite fit with the whole Thomas Jefferson narrative. An alternative theory that makes a bit more sense, but indicates a similar type of origin, is that this phrase had more to do with publicity stunts in the early 20th century rather than the early 19th, where a giant wheel or block of cheese would be displayed for some time and then ceremonially cut up by some important person. There are several dozen instances of this occurring within the first couple of decades of the 20th century. For instance, in 1911, the country gentleman reported, the cheese will be on exhibition at the National Dairy Show at Chicago next week. President Taft will visit the show the morning of Monday, October 30th, and after his address, he will be invited to cut the big cheese, which will then be distributed in small lots to visitors at the show. Within a decade of this, the big cheese referring to an important person, sometimes self-important, started to pop up and quickly caught on in popularity from there. Today's podcast is brought to you by Harry's, who make quality men's shaving products for people who are fed up with buying expensive blades that just don't last. And as you are a listener of this podcast, you are entitled to getting $5 off your first purchase. All you have to do is go to harrys.com and use the promo code DAILY. So Harry's was inspired by a story that is probably familiar to all of us men out there at least, uh, going into a store to buy razor blades and being pretty shocked by the price. I mean, that's just something you don't get used to. And so the founder of Harry's thought there has to be a better way to do this. There has to be a way to avoid going to the store altogether to get the blades at a cheaper price and actually make them better quality. And Harry's sent me one of these shaving kits. It came in a beautiful box. The razor was engraved. There's some nice looking shaving cream in there, several blades. And I started trying this out. I'm, I'm a relatively infrequent shaver being behind a microphone, but I, I do do it a couple of times a week. And I'm still going on the first blade. It's still ultra sharp and I'm enjoying using their shaving cream a whole lot more than my previous shaving foam that I was using. So if you are interested in upgrading your shaving experience and saving yourself a lot of money per year on blades, check out harrys.com. They currently ship to the United States and Canada. And don't forget to use that promo code DAILY to get $5 off your first purchase. Why Golf Balls Have Dimples Somewhat counterintuitively, dimples in golf balls significantly decrease the drag on the golf ball as it flies through the air, compared to a smooth ball. Not only that, but the dimples also increase the lift somewhat. These two things combined can make the golf ball go as much as three times farther than the same ball without dimples. The dimples on golf balls accomplish both of these things by creating turbulence in the layer of air around the golf ball, called the boundary layer. In simple terms, the dimples more or less scoop the air and direct it inwards towards the back of the golf ball. This effectively increases the net air pressure in the back of the ball, which reduces the drag by reducing the pressure pulling back at the ball from behind. This can reduce drag by as much as 50% over a smooth ball. More technically, the streamlined flow of air on a smooth ball separates fairly quickly from the ball as it passes over the surface of the golf ball. This ends up maximizing the size of the wake behind the golf ball, which maximizes the area of lower pressure, creating a large drag. With the dimpled golf balls, this streamlined flow remains attached to the surface of the ball much longer, creating a smaller, low-pressure region behind the ball, thereby significantly reducing the drag on the ball. 
The dimples also create lift when there is significant backspin on the ball as it flies through the air. This is very similar to how the seams of a baseball create lift when there is backspin. In both cases, the backspin causes the air to move faster backwards on the top of the ball, with the golf ball via the dimples and with the baseball via the seams. This creates lower air pressure above the ball than below, which creates a small amount of lift. A similar effect can also be observed with baseballs and golf balls when a ball has a certain amount of side spin, except in this case, instead of creating lift upwards, it will cause the ball to tail to one side or the other, depending on the direction of the spin. This is why balls with this side spin tend to travel in a sideways arc through the air. You might be asking yourself, why don't they put dimples on planes, cars, and the like to reduce drag? Primarily because creating turbulence in the boundary layer doesn't always reduce the net drag. It largely depends on the shape of the object and the speed at which it is traveling, among other things. For an object in the shape of a ball, where the primary drag is created by the wake, this ends up decreasing the net drag significantly. In more streamlined objects, such as an aeroplane wing, they create very little wake relative to the skin friction drag they experience, so dimples wouldn't help much, and, indeed, creating this turbulence would actually increase the streamlined drag, which would drastically increase the skin friction, while not helping much with the less significant drag caused by separation in the wake. Now, as far as cars go, which tend to not be all that aerodynamically shaped relative to something like an airplane wing, it has been shown that creating a dimpled surface can decrease the overall drag somewhat on certain designs of cars. However, the difference in fuel efficiency is fairly marginal and hasn't, to date, been shown to be near significant enough to warrant sacrificing certain cosmetic aspects of the car by adding dimples. And now for today's bonus facts. Bonus food-related expression origins 1. Origin of cakewalk This term is thought to originate from a 19th-century African-American game. People would walk in a procession of pears around a cake at social gatherings. The most graceful pear would win the cake as a prize. That said, the first documented instance of cakewalk referring to something easy to do popped up about a decade before the first known references to the literal cakewalk game. Nevertheless, most etymologists think the game name is the source of the expression. 2. Origin of Sowing Your Wild Oats Avana fatua, a species of grass in the oat genus, has been referred to as wild oats for centuries. Though it's thought to be the precursor to cultivated oats, farmers have engaged in a long tradition of trying to get rid of it. This is because it's useless as a cereal crop, hard to separate from cultivated oats, and difficult to remove from fields. Therefore, the literal practice of sowing wild oats is a useless endeavor. As such, the phrase is figuratively applied to people engaging in idle pastimes. The term also has sexual connotation in that a young man sowing his wild oats is spreading seed without purpose. The idiom was first recorded in English in 1542 by Protestant clergyman Thomas Beckin. 3. Egg someone on. Surprisingly enough, this phrase has nothing to do with edible eggs. The egg that is being referred to is a verb meaning to goad on, which was derived from the Old Norse word eggia. The derivation first appeared in English in roughly 1200 AD, and the phrase itself was initially recorded in the mid-16th century. 4. Origin of cream of the crop. 
This comes from previous expressions referencing the cream part of milk being the best part. As early as the 17th century, this gave us expressions like cream of the market and cream of the jest, so things that are referred to as cream of the crop are considered to be of the highest quality. This phrase is also believed to have links to the similar meaning French phrase creme de la creme, meaning best of the best, which was adapted into the English vernacular in the 19th century, shortly before cream of the crop became popular. You just listened to an episode of the Today I Found Out daily podcast. Tune in every weekday for another great episode, or find more articles at todayifoundout.com.